I'm Lizanne Flynn. I'm a master healer who works with all earthlings to reunite them within themselves and with each other, regardless of the dimension they're currently in. Meaning, I'm a medium as well as an animal communicator, medical intuitive, and channel for all beings. I also use the tools of shamanic journey and soul retrieval to support animals and humans as they heal from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animal's Eye View podcast. I thought I'd bottom line this podcast in the front end so that it hopefully would serve as an anchor throughout because humans, we make it a bit more complicated perhaps than it needs to be at times, just saying, with our words and our theories and with our perspective of the world around us. And we can get kind of caught up in our human-oriented thought processes if we're not careful. So because we're going to be talking about consciousness, which again for humans can be a little bit murky, kind of like the word energy, not exactly woo-woo like energy, but still a bit murky because we, we also perceive as humans that consciousness somehow is outside of us somewhere like floating around out there in the ether, maybe. It's really different than how animals see and perceive consciousness. They actually see consciousness as the gateway through which all of their experiences in past lives, current lives, future lives, sideways dimension, other sideways dimension, diagonal dimension, etc. flow. As I said, it's more of an anchoring point for them. And so we'll attempt to kind of keep it simple like the animals do. And as far as what we might call from their perspective, this axis of consciousness, everything begins and ends with the soul, an animal would say. Again, they just don't bother with the super, the sub, the un part of conscious categories. Everything just kind of flows together for them, which makes it so much easier for them and probably even more imperative for them to kind of anchor into the now because the now is where they are. Everything else for them, yeah, that's already happened. That's not here in the now. So while I might use it, to gather information from and to maybe inform my choices going forward. It's not right here in this moment, so it's much less important to me than what's in the moment. And as well, any future lives they perceive for themselves, it's exactly the same way only going forward. That has not yet to be, and they're also well aware that any choice that they make in the now may shift what's coming because that's just how energy works. So they just tend to kind of plant their hind legs, their front legs, 
their two feet if they only have two feet, their bellies if they just rest with their bellies onto the planet. They just kind of tend to anchor into the now. Because they would say, and as we've talked about before, time is the illusion. Time is mostly of the human creation. And death, a transition, is just simply a changing form of energy from one form into the other. And so, yes, they have past lives. Yes, they have past lives with each other, and yes, they have past lives with us. Yes, they can access, and probably it's more accurate to say, they are one with their past lives as well as with their future lives, as we've been talking. Yes, they have soul contracts with each other just like we do, and they have them with us as well. I do think that that's one of the reasons why certain animal companions throughout one's life may feel differently to you than others. In addition to the fact that they have separate soul identities and therefore separate temperaments, personalities, I can't tell you the number of times I've worked with people and they've said, well, yeah, we adopted this certain breed of usually dog. And wow, this dog is just really different than all of the other dogs of the exact same breed that we've had before. (laughs) And my answer is, well, that's right, because they are. They are, again, separate identities. And at the same time, just like that little like spark that you might feel when you meet another human that you either have star family, same lineage with, and that kind of spark of identity happens also as well with someone human in a past life. And you have that little kind of little snap of, Oh, I think I've met you before. Most definitely, if you've had that feeling with a companion animal before, chances are good that you probably had a past life with them. And it just kind of tends to make then the experience that you're having currently more deep, perhaps, maybe a bit more emotional. Perhaps this is an animal that came to you when you needed them the most, As far as support goes, perhaps this is an animal that came to you at this point in your life where you're thinking, oh, wow, yeah, mm -hmm. this is the good part of my life. I really would like to have an animal companion to share that with. Rest assured, though, that kind of regardless of whether you've had a past life with them or not, all y'all will be sharing awarenesses that they actually usually have a much better idea about than you do when you take your sweet little self down to the shelter or perhaps to an adoption event or maybe even visit a breeder and you think, I think I'm just, it's time for me to get a new companion animal. They will have seen you coming from at least two, two and a half, three blocks a mile away because they're just that good. I've talked before about how I've also heard stories, as I'm sure you all have as well, of animals being adopted out by a shelter, and then for whatever reason, those particular circumstances didn't happen to work out, either on the part of the animal or on part of the human. 
It's my perception and my opinion that in those circumstances, and sometimes particularly if there's a behavioral aspect of that animal that kind of comes really strongly to the forefront, that that's kind of their way of waving the red flag and saying, nope, nope, nope. Uh-huh. Yep. I th- I know that you think you wanted me and I know that you think that we're a match made in heaven right now, but I really do have a much better feel for who my next family is going to be. And so I'm going to make darn sure that I get returned back to that shelter because in just another couple of weeks time, that forever family, at least for the rest of my lifetime, speaking from the animal's point of view on this planet, is going to walk through those doors. Because that's just kind of how that works. I also do perceive that it's not a matter of graduating soul-wise from animal to human. And I do definitely get that question a lot. Can animals come back as humans? And as well, probably more often I get, can humans come back as animals? Because I think for a lot of us, perhaps we look, at least at this point in time, and maybe in times past, perhaps with envy at our companion animal's life, and we think, ugh, I'm definitely going to come back as a cat the next time. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to sleep 20, 22 hours a day. I'm going to run zoomies around my house until I puke. (laughs) I'm going to get fed lots of treats. I'm going to be really finicky about what I am fed. I'm going to have these really remarkable and absolutely lethal weapons at my disposal, aka claws, with which to defend myself. And at least from the human perspective, we kind of look at that animal's life and we say, that's just really perfect. I do perceive that there are different varieties of soul, if you will, whose evolutionary path, and again, think soul, is more suited to different planetary experiences. I don't perceive that we kind of cross over and say, yeah, I've had enough of this human thing. I'm definitely going to come back as an animal or vice versa. My perception is that based on the kind of unconditional love, particularly that companion animals are able to offer, even in the most of tragic and horrific circumstances, I would challenge any human and maybe even human soul, if I can, to be able to reach that depth and to continue to be able to offer that to humans when they perhaps have had a previous circumstance of being abused so terribly. They just have a remarkable ability to recover from abuse and tragedy. That doesn't mean that they don't have soul trauma. Indeed, they do. They just have recuperative properties and abilities that, for whatever reason, I perceive humans don't have access to. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with humans. It's just, I just think it's a difference. It's kind of like the difference between um, 
cats and dogs. And I think where their soul awarenesses are concerned, they're, they're quite astute. And I think for humans, sometimes we struggle with, wow, did I really sign up for this? Especially when we're smack dab in the middle of a pandemic and maybe other times of what we perceive to be shadow experiences in a life experience that we think, no, I certainly wouldn't have chosen this for myself. And that, of course, is kind of the fine point. Your soul chose this awareness for you. It is a very different thing to perceive and experience through soul awareness than through the life experience itself. To me, that would be like looking at, I don't know, maybe trying to look at through a kaleidoscope, through the wrong end of it, (laughs) to where things would be all kind of blurried and you're just thinking, I just can't make heads or tails of this. But when you flip that kaleidoscope around and all of a sudden you're able to see the myriad of colors and the beautiful designs and you might think, oh, oh, I see now. Maybe I can get to the point in this human experience of seeing things through soul awareness because that's exactly what animals on this planet do. I think a good analogy is, imagine if you're watching a series on Netflix and, you know, like we all do, we kind of zip through. <laughs> if more if more than one season is available, we zip through all those seasons. And at the end, and after you stop crying because it's over, but maybe that's just me, you can look back and you can see how the episodes in the story made for a very complete picture. You could even look back at certain character development and understand how they made the choices they did, even though you might not have agreed with them. That is the axis, meaning one, not plural and not layers, and not double, and helix, and all that kind of stuff that humans try to throw on the top of it. That is the axis of consciousness through which most animals view at least their planetary experiences here on Earth. They are able to look back. They're also able to look forward And so you might see from that perspective, from the awareness of soul and through the eyes of an animal, it is just one great big huge story. Nothing is either good and nothing is either bad. They don't look at it that way. They look at it as, ah, I see, this was necessary. This was necessary for the story story to move forward. Would I have necessarily wanted this experience to be one of abuse? No, I probably wouldn't have. But when they look back and again, when they look forward, and especially looking forward, they say, ah, yes, but here's the balance to that. Here's the balance to that light and shadow, which, as we've talked before, are just two different sides of the exact same coin. And I think with humans, sometimes with our axis of consciousness. If we're lucky in a lifetime, our past lives experiences, especially wounds, will resurface so that we can address them. And we can make the same or different choices. It all depends upon the outcome desired. Because you see, each lifetime, 
I'm fairly certain the hope on the part of the universe is that we will have bought many, many, many clues from Vanna, so to speak. And we will be making these choices that support the continual and progressive evolution of our soul path. And again, you might not think that you're lucky if for whatever reason on any given day, and maybe even as a kid, you had continual nightmares about drowning or perhaps fire or perhaps any one of those things. I know if I have a client come to me and we talk about that, chances are good that that's a past life experience that's coming forward into present awareness. We'll call it that instead of consciousness. Present awareness. So an opportunity is being offered up to say, this was a wound from a previous lifetime. This was a a particularly traumatic experience from a previous lifetime. You're being offered an opportunity to release that. You're being offered an opportunity to look a little bit further and deeper into that so that you can understand the wounds of experiences that are held and kind of stitched together by the the thread of the soul that kind of links everything together so that you're able to conquer these experiences and so you're able to heal those wounds for yourself, which I think is definitely part of the plan. On the question of why we as humans don't have immediate access to our past lives, I do think it has to do with our carefully crafted systems of belief and our overall human socialization process. As we've talked before, most other species have an available download of information of not only their own species history, but perhaps of their individual history as well and past life experiences. It's like a bank of data that's immediately available and accessible to them. It's a really interesting experience for me when I've had the opportunity to connect either with infants and sometimes, as it has so happened, although not intentionally, (laughs) there's been a bit of a surprise with perhaps a female client who happens to be pregnant and either she knows that and doesn't uh, share with me or I know that as it's often happened. My apologies again for those women that I'm aware of that before she and her partner are. But it's an amazing difference in awareness (laughs) of not yet being incarnate on this planet and yet knowing full well on a soul level of why you are choosing this particular experience. It's, It's just really remarkable. And it often makes me wonder and it often kind of makes me think You know, with other species and their axis of consciousness being kind of one single point and everything kind of fans out from there, I've often wondered if that contributes to their physical abilities and how they're able to walk, sometimes on four legs and some of them definitely on two legs, long before human babies are. I don't know at this point whether that's just kind of the design of our species on the planet. Verbal ability as well. I mean, for human infants, 
it takes what, on average, 10 to 12 months before we can walk safely most of the time by ourselves. And then it's another six to eight months beyond that before we begin talking. I don't know. I, I'm not sure I'm going to necessarily be able to get the answers to those questions before I transition from this planet. Maybe I will. And as far as these soul contracts may be with other people in your life, I would insert a caution here, and it's built mostly from the experience of the clients that I've worked with. What may appear to be a match made in heaven right at the outset, not in every single case, but again, based in, on my experience in a good majority of cases, is not necessarily that. And I think sometimes as humans, we kind of step on the gas when we're really being offered an opportunity to take a step back and say, hmm, wow, this is really powerful stuff. Do I really want to get into this again? And maybe maybe we can learn from the animals and maybe this would be the point to go into a meditative state to ask your guides to bring to you any past lives that you may have shared with this other individual. Just in case that rather than being offered the opportunity and probably more the mandate that you step back into the fire again, (laughs) maybe we're supposed to stay in the frying pan and just sizzle for a little bit until we get a better feel and a better awareness of what exactly our soul contract is with this individual at this point in time. Because I do think, and I am aware, that souls will seek each other out from time to time and through lifetimes. I think the bottom line is you don't have to necessarily sign up for every single one of those experiences if you choose not to. And the really interesting thing is if you kind of flip that upside down on its head and look at it from the perspective of from choosing not and pulling the exit cord early if signs appear to be pointing toward a situation, a vibration that just simply doesn't resonate with you, that you feel okay about saying, wow, yeah, hmm, if I've done this in a previous lifetime, and if this is what this experience is going to be about this time around, I'm going to say no thank you. Because the really interesting thing is by saying no thank you, perhaps you are making that very choice in awareness that the universe can just say, oh, mm -hmm, thank you very much. We're going to check that box off. And therefore you will have fulfilled that particular soul contract with that particular individual. I just don't think that our lives and our relationships, if we were to borrow from the book of animals, if you will, are meant to be this fraught with this kind of tension and anxiety and just not good feelings and worry about whether or not 
this person is right for us, whether this situation is right for us, whether this job is right for us, any one of those number of things, because it all comes down to, does it feel good to you or not? That's really the only question that matters. And most certainly, that is the only question that any animal ever on the planet asks themselves. Does this feel good to me? Period. That's it. They really don't need to ask any other questions. It's just, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. from this point in the now, I don't have to worry about a past life. I don't have to worry about a future life. I don't have to worry about diagonal dimensions or sideways dimensions. I'm only concerned with the now. And my body will tell me every single thing I need to know about this particular situation. And the only thing I need to know about this particular situation is... How good do I feel in this particular situation? And from that point onward, all of their decisions are made. And I don't know about you, I would certainly choose to model my life after theirs. Because from my perspective, that seems like a pretty good way to go. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like, I'd invite you to leave a review on whatever platform you happen to be listening. And before I forget, a big shout out to all the people who have signed up recently for my newsletter, You All Rock. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. Reach out if you think I can be of service via www.lazanflynn.com. Come find me on social media. I've got a Facebook group, The Animals I View. I'm in the Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. This has been The Animals I View podcast. See you next time.